it's always difficult when you're preparing and you get really excited in your study about what you're preparing and you're kind of exploding out of the doors. And then you think, how am I going to come on Sunday and kind of condense this all down and not get too excited? But uh, Lord, come and speak to us this morning. That's all we want, Lord Jesus, is just to hear from you. I thank you for the truth of your scriptures. I pray you would just speak to us this morning. Come and excite us, Jesus. Come and thrill us. Come and inspire us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, can I encourage you, if you haven't already started, to start reading the book of Acts. We're, we're going through Acts uh, this term, and I just started reading it again Really, you know, before, and I started reading it again, it just comes so fresh. God starting the early church and everything he does to start the church and the power of the Holy Spirit and the disciples all in the mix. It's just a great read. Uh, and just read it as a book. It's just really easy to read, chapter by chapter. It's just like a novel unfolding in front of you. And uh, can I really encourage you just to, uh, if you, if you, no matter what else you're reading in the Bible, go back to Acts, start again, and just let God come and speak to you. It's great stuff. So what I want to talk about today is power and the Holy Spirit. And uh, Acts is full of it. It's great. Last week, Phil looked at a new beginning, uh, which was partly kind of looking back at where we've been and then looking forward to what God is going to do in the future. And Phil said, and this is from his notes, so it's definitely right, there were two keys. Prayer? Oh, right. It's in his notes. He may not have said it. Two keys. Prayer, which is primarily what we looked at last week. And secondly, the presence of the Holy Spirit, which is exactly what I want to look at this week. The presence of the Holy Spirit and how it changed the early church and how on earth... It moved from Peter denying Jesus three times to the Peter that we see in Acts because those two are completely polar opposites. And if you'd said to someone, will Peter deny Jesus three times, he is going to be the one that starts to preach the gospel and thousands are going to be saved, you would say, well, that's never going to happen. He can't even admit that he knows Jesus. Three times he was asked by different people, do you know this Jesus? No, Nothing to do with me. Were you, weren't you with him in the garden? No, it wasn't me. Somebody else. Three times. And I've always kind of felt slightly sorry for Peter because what I always think is how would I react in that same situation? We can be really kind of super spiritual and say, oh, well, I wouldn't have done that. You know, I would have gone in there and sorted him out and said, yes, I know him and got myself arrested and all that stuff. But actually, in my heart of hearts... I kind of think I'd be like Peter. I'd probably have done the same. Because it was a very dangerous situation they were in. But there's Peter, denies Jesus three times, and then in Acts, we see Peter completely different. So what is it that has changed? That's what I want to look at today. What is it that has changed? So let's, uh, we're going to start off reading in Acts chapter 2. I'm just going to read a couple of passages just to get a flavour of where we're at. Acts chapter 2, we're just going to read uh, verse 36 onwards. 
This is Peter speaking. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their heart. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized then added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Sorry, I'll just, yeah, that's right. Acts 2, 36 to 41, and then we're just going to go to Acts 3, verse 1 to 19. I love this story. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went to the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they'd seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we'd made this man walk by our own power or godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him up. And we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And if you carry on reading, it just talks about how many more people came to know Christ as Peter spoke. So how does this work? What I was thinking about this week was, I'm of the generation that remembers someone called Charles Atlas. Now, if you're my age, you will probably remember Charles Atlas. If you don't, then basically Charles Atlas was a bodybuilder. And his adverts that he used to do, because I looked them up on the internet again, were where the guy's sitting on the beach and he's a little skinny guy and he gets sand kicked in his face. 
And the advert basically says, do you want to be like this guy having sand kicked in your face or do you want to be like Charles Atlas? And Charles Atlas is a bodybuilder, big muscly guy, you know, and no one messes with Charles Atlas. And the whole advertisement and the idea is that you go on this bodybuilding course to come from this little six-stone weakling to this superhero kind of guy, you know. And um, there was tons of adverts in the back of the newspaper. You'd open them up and there'd be all these things you could go on to be this superhero. And I was kind of thinking it's a bit like that here. Peter has gone from this six-stone weakling to denying Christ and uh, not having anything to do with him to a guy that preaches and 3,000 are saved. It's amazing. Amazing transformation. What is it that transforms him? It is one thing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to read in a minute what happens. What you have to remember about Peter and John is they were just fishing guys. They were ordinary guys. There was nothing special about them at all. We're told that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Their courage failed them six weeks earlier than this when Jesus was arrested and it looked like Jesus' mission had been a colossal failure. He'd been arrested, he'd been killed, crucified. Where was Christianity going? Was it relying on Peter? Because if it was, it was going to go nowhere. Yet the Christian faith didn't die. Instead, it grew massively. The gospel message ran from house to house across Jerusalem, exploded through the cities of Samaria, Syria, Asia Minor, Greece, Italy. It even spread to Rome, to the heart of the Roman Empire, until its enemies complained that it had shaken the whole earth. Incredibly and inexplicably, the Christian church refused to roll over and die. Instead, it conquered the world. That's why we're here today, because of what happened then. Fillmore, in his, this is a great book. Fillmore's done a series on different books of the Bible. They're really, really easy to read. Very, very good. It says 60 bite-sized insights, and that's exactly what they are. Worth buying, definitely. Get it on Amazon or any other bookshop you want. But he says this. Ours is still a world where Jesus' vision looks completely mismatched to his ragged bunch of followers. In brackets, that's us. We're the ragged bunch of followers. I put that bit in, right? (laughs) Ours is still a world where Jesus' vision looks completely mismatched to his ragged bunch of followers. Yet Acts gives ordinary Christians his blueprint for success. If you feel like a very ordinary Christian, this should strike you as good news. This book was written about ordinary Christians in the past to encourage and equip ordinary Christians in the present. That's us. He wrote it to inform you, amaze you, excite you and enthrall you. But most of all, he wrote it to enlist you. The church's great mission is not over. You have a role to play which is uniquely yours. It is a call to ride to victory on the shoulders of your extraordinary God. I love that quote. It's a call to ride to victory on the shoulders of your extraordinary God. So what is the difference? The difference is in Acts chapter 1. Turn to it in your Bibles. Acts chapter 1. 
verse 4 and 5. Jesus is still with them at this stage and he says to them this. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. And I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus actually commands his disciples, do not leave Jerusalem, do not go out preaching the gospel until you have received the Holy Spirit. Why does he say that? He says that because he knows that if they do it in their own strength, it is going to be a complete failure and nothing will happen. They have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to achieve what they achieved. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And again in verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that is what the Holy Spirit does when it comes. It brings power and authority. And what I love about the story about the lame man is that was just another ordinary day in that man's life. Every day he went to the gate to beg. Every day he was going to be there for the rest of his life just begging for money. And suddenly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, his life is changed forever. Because he asks for money and Peter says, silver and gold I haven't got, but let me tell you, I've got something far better than that. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And that guy's life is transformed from that point onwards forever. It's great, isn't it? It's great, isn't it? Oh, my good night. I made him cry now. (laughs) But you see, that guy could have been there for the rest of his life until the power of the Holy Spirit comes on Peter. He's asking for money. Peter says, whoa, forget money. I'm going to give you something far better. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And that's what power and authority does. When the Holy Spirit comes on them, they will be Jesus' witnesses telling people about them. He can preach the truth without fear. And that is what we need in the church today. We need that in the church today. The country is no different from when it was then. People have turned their back on God. They're not interested in God. Their Sunday mornings are taken up with other stuff. When you talk to people at work, it's not even in their thinking. Now, when you say you go to church, they kind of, what? You do what on a Sunday morning? When there's all these other things to do, it's not even in their thinking. And we need the power of God's Holy Spirit to come and give us power and authority. That's what we want, isn't it? We want to be able to pray for people to be healed, just like we've heard this morning, with power and authority. I know that's what I want. And so often, you know, we feel so weak and inadequate. What can I do? I'm just an ordinary Christian. Yeah. What's great about this is that's exactly what Peter and John were. Ordinary Christians going about their ordinary life. But suddenly they're transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit coming on them. And suddenly they have a power and authority that is not from them. It is only from Jesus. And it is completely apparent that it is only from Jesus. 
And that is important. Let's read what happens. Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speak in our own native languages. Here we are from the province of Asia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrenes, Jerusalem, Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying they're just drunk. And that's all. And then Peter preaches. He says, there's no way they're drunk. This is nine o'clock in the morning. This is the power of God's Holy Spirit. And as he speaks, it tells us at the end there were 3,000 saved. And as you go on into the next chapter, there was another 2,000 that got saved because they'd had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed them radically. And it's really important for us to know that if we want the power, we have to be baptized and filled with God's Holy Spirit. Continuously. You see, you can say, well, I got baptized in the Spirit in 1974, so I'm fine. Or I got baptized in the Spirit when the Holy Spirit came in the UK in 1994 and everyone was blessed and it was great and it was wonderful. Listen. You need to get baptized in the Spirit every single day of your life. Every single day. Why? Because we leak like sieves. We live in a sinful world. We are sinners. As we sin, the Holy Spirit seeps out of us. You need to come back to God and receive of His Holy Spirit and be filled so that we can move in power. We can heal people. We can set people free. Because God's mission is exactly the same as it was then. It's exactly the same. Jesus has come to seek and save those who are lost. That's his mission. What's our mission? To seek and save those who are lost. How do we do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no other way. You can preach a great sermon in your own strength. You can go to Bible college and you can learn as much as you like. Unless God's Holy Spirit moves, people will not get saved. Because it's not by your power or your might or your words. It's by Jesus' power. It changes hearts in an instant. That's what we need. We need what we had this morning, which is as we come to worship, the presence of God is in this place. That's what we need. We don't dumb it down so people can feel comfortable. I'm sorry. We don't. Do we, Kathy? 
I'm not saying we shouldn't be seeker-friendly and all that stuff. That's different. But you do not compromise on the presence of God. Because in the presence of God comes conviction. People come in and in the presence of God they say, for the first time in my life I knew I was a sinner. For the first time in my life I felt uncomfortable. I realized there was a gap in my life that needed filling. What is that gap? It's Jesus. It's always Jesus. And what we need every Sunday and every house group is the presence of God. Last Monday we had house group, community group, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) If Jill was here, I'd be in trouble. She's not here. Bless you, Jill, if you're listening to this. (laughs) Community group. Listen. Community group on Monday, we start to worship. What happens? The presence of God comes. Why? Because we're good people? No, because Jesus says we're two or three, you gather together. I'm in the midst. It's a promise of God. And we have group and we just start to worship and the presence of God comes and you just, fill me, Lord, fill me. Just fill me. I don't care it was Sunday yesterday and I got blessed yesterday. Fill me up again. And in your groups, you should be seeking the presence of God every single week. Okay? Unless you're having a barbecue or something like that. (laughs) But if you're worshipping, what do you want? As you worship, you want the presence of God to come in because in that presence there is healing. In that presence there is release. In that presence, captives are set free. That's what we need. We need it on a Sunday morning. When God comes... We will not have the notices at quarter past 11. Trust me. (laughs) We won't. There won't even be a preach. Hallelujah, I can hear some of you saying. (laughs) That's what we want. We want God's presence here. We've said already this year we want to see people come and get saved. Yes, we do. How does that work? Do you know? I don't know the answer to that. But what I do know is when you're in God's presence... People get saved. There is conviction of sin because of Jesus. People come in and feel uncomfortable. Uh, the church my parents go to down, in, down south, they meet in a school. I'm worn out. I need a drink. <laughs> they meet in a school, and next to the school is a big gymnasium. And on Sunday mornings, they have trampoline club and gymnastics and all that stuff. So a lady, completely non-churched, goes to take her daughter to the trampoline club or gymnastics club, whatever it is. She hears the singing in the church, and God speaks to her and says, go over there. Completely non-Christian, hadn't been to church, nothing. She hears the voice of God. He says to her, go over there and find out what that's about. She goes into that meeting. They're worshipping God. God convicts her at that moment, tells her she's a sinner, and she gets saved that morning. How good is that? Very good, Neil. You lot are hard work, I tell you. I'm pouring my heart out here. 
Listen, don't you want to hear stories like that? That's what blessed me so much about Helen's story. She was walking down the road there. She heard us singing. Listen, go out on that road. You will not hear us singing. What happened? The Holy Spirit came and made her hear us. You can't hear us from where she was. We've tried it. God's Holy Spirit brings our voices to her. She thinks, what's going on in there? Comes over. God meets with her. God changes her life. If you were at the baptismal service, you'll know what God did for Helen. It is an amazing testimony of God's graciousness and his goodness His favour, he's completely revolutionised her life. That's what we want. More stories like that. That's what we want. God, come by the power of your Holy Spirit. We'd be happy if we preached and one person got saved. No one about 3,000. But that's what the Holy Spirit changes. Here's Peter, this man. Completely changed by the power of God. Peter is an amazing blessing in Acts. Read it. He's wonderful. He doesn't care what he says to them. He's in, he's in the, the Jewish um, courts, the legal courts, and he's saying to them, listen, you crucified Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Don't you realize what you did? I'm thinking, whoa, Peter, you're going to get arrested any minute. But the power of God is with him. The power of the Holy Spirit is on him. And he's bringing truth to them. 3,000 get saved. How? Because the conviction of the Holy Spirit is on that meeting. As he speaks, the Holy Spirit goes and works. And that's what we have to have. I've completely lost my notes now. (laughs) I need to get back somewhere, don't I? (laughs) Right, here you go. A changed life convinces people of Christ's power. And that actually, that's, that's a lot of what it's about. A changed life convinces people of Christ's power. Helen's story. Wow. God came and changed everything by the power of his Holy Spirit. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones great quote. I love reading his uh, sermons on Acts. They're brilliant. He says this, the world was turned upside down, not because of what they, this is the disciples, did, but because of what God did to them, in them and through them. God is a living God. He starts the early church in partnership with man, but it is by his power. The world was turned upside down, not because of what they did, but because of what God did to them, in them and through them. He's a living God. He starts the early church in partnership with man, but it is by his power. And that's, that's the truth for us. The partnership is as true today as it was then. We need this power through the Holy Spirit to bring to the lost. And the message is the same message that Jesus had. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, 
to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord. What is all that? Freedom in Christ. That's what it's about. People are bound up, people are chained. We sang it this morning, you came to break those chains. Hallelujah, that's exactly what Jesus does by the power of his spirit. And Jesus' mission in Isaiah 61 is the same mission we have as we are in church and as we speak to people in the world, as we share the gospel. Don't you want more power when you talk to people? So often I back out of situations because I don't want to offend people or I think, well, I've got to work with this guy. If I say this now, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. You kind of work it all out in your mind. And sometimes I just want to say, oh, Lord, just give me the power to say the right thing. Give me boldness. Because I haven't got much. And it's okay, you know, to admit that. You don't all have to be super spiritual beings. You can just say, Lord, I'm pretty useless at this. Because I am pretty useless at it, actually. But, when I begin to see what God can do through his Holy Spirit, and I begin to realize it's not about me, it's about him and what he can do through me, then my heart is beginning to say to God, God, I'm available. If you want to use me, come and use me, and I will step out for you. I will step out of my comfort zone. Because actually, I can see what your Holy Spirit does when it works. It is so powerful. It is irresistible. So many testimonies of people when they get saved, it's just a little drip feed of God into their lives. So many people say, oh, well, you were the third Christian that I met that year. What a coincidence. When I met Julia, she was searching for all kinds of stuff, been into all kinds of bits and bobs. And I met her and she said, oh, you, it's funny, yeah, because um, the lady I live with is a Christian and I've got some friends who are Christians. What's God doing? He's just using people, dropping a little seed into people's lives. You might be the first seed, you might be the third or fourth, doesn't matter. But be a seed when he tells you to be. Take those opportunities. And it's not in our power You will never save someone in your own power. We have to understand that right from the beginning. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. Only he can bring light into darkness. You can't. You are light and you are salt. So where you go, people will see there's a difference. But actually the work of the Holy Spirit is what opens that door into someone's life. And that is what we want. But we have to be available. Peter had to change from this guy that denied Jesus three times to this man that could preach. And 3,000 could get saved. And there is only one way that changes, and that's by the power of God coming on us and filling us with his spirit continuously. Seek God's Holy Spirit in your life. Each of you, seek it. It will revolutionize this church. As we worship, come on Sunday and say, before you come, 30 seconds, say to God, if you want to use me today, I'm available. 
That's the easy bit. Then when he gives you a picture, or he gives you an ache, or he gives you a, something to bring, then you've got to bring it. And that's when your heart's going mad and you think it's going to come out of my chest in a minute and your hands get all sticky and you can't stand still. That's what happens to me anyway. All those things happen and what's God doing? He's prompting you, saying, I've given you that. Go and give it. Phil's not an ogre. He's quite approachable. (laughs) He's not going to say to you, that is terrible. Get to the back of the church and never come to the front again. going to say that's really good that's what God is saying at the moment in the meeting I have been in meetings where there have been random (laughs) you know um, what should I say visions I was in a meeting once and this guy suddenly stood up and said I can see a penguin on a tightrope (laughs) I'm thinking right Who's got the interpretation of that one then? If you've got it, come see me afterwards. But that's why we don't let people shout out random things. You come to the front, you say, I've got this. And Phil or me or Peter or whatever will say, that's really good. We're just going to fit that in at the right time. Now, why do we do that? Well, because in certain points of the meeting... The Holy Spirit who runs these meetings, it's not us, it's the Holy Spirit. As I said when I prayed this morning, the Holy Spirit has one aim when the Holy Spirit is in the meeting. One aim. And that is to point us to Jesus. That is what the Holy Spirit does. He comes on us, he's in the meeting, he just wants us to exalt Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And as the Holy Spirit rises up within you, within a meeting as we're worshipping, his whole aim is for you to glorify Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now at that point, if you come to the front and say, will you pray for Auntie Flo because she's got a bunion, we will say to you, we will, but not just at the moment. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus. And if we did that, it would take away from Jesus. It would take away from what the Holy Spirit is doing. And that's why it's important for us to fit things in the proper place. But the Holy Spirit has one aim, and that is to glorify Jesus. And when we're in the meeting and the Holy Spirit is here, as the Holy Spirit was this morning, his aim is just to glorify Jesus. And as you feel the Holy Spirit rising up within you, that is what he's doing. Worshipping Jesus. And in that, there is huge power because Jesus comes and he is glorified in our meeting. And that is so key for us. 2016 is still the favorable year of the Lord. Hallelujah. We want to see people get saved this year. We want to see non-Christians coming in and getting saved and their lives transformed just as that lame man's life was transformed at the beautiful gate. Never the same again. And we're talking about it 2,000 years later, this lame man. How brilliant is that? God comes and brings freedom and release.
The other thing I just want to say is this. If you've not been baptized in the Spirit, then you need to be baptized in the Spirit. Okay, it's not an option, it's an essential. Now later on, we're going to do a, a preach just on the baptism in the Holy Spirit because it is really important. But I just want to say, that's how important it is. It has its own week. I haven't got time to do it today. But if you haven't been baptised in the Spirit, read Acts and you'll begin to see what difference being baptised in the Holy Spirit makes in your Christian life. Everything changes. I remember when I first realised I needed glasses. I was standing at Chelsea <coughs> at, the, at the one end and I suddenly realised I couldn't see what was happening in the gold mouth down the other end. And I thought, hmm, why can't I see that? And I was kind of squinting. And sure enough, I went to the uh, opticians and I got myself some glasses and suddenly, when I came out of the opticians, it was really weird. I thought I was going to fall over. Everything was kind of up close and had black circles around it, black squares, and everything was much more real. And in a very, very simplistic way, that is what it is like when the Holy Spirit baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, when God comes and baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. In a very simplistic way. It brings clarity. Confusion's gone. Everything is clearer. And as we worship in particular, you will notice such a huge difference. Because it's the Spirit that worships Jesus through us. The difference we see in Peter is the difference we need in our church. Be filled and be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. Phil quoted from Spurgeon last week, and I, I want to finish by just quoting this again. I think it's excellent. <clears throat> I would that this rushing mighty wind would come upon his church with an irresistible force that should carry everything before it. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We can do nothing without you, but if we have your wind, we spread our sail and speed on towards glory. And Jesus, that is our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come upon this church with an irresistible force. Come upon those that don't know you. Come upon visitors here that just come in for a look. Come on them with an irresistible force that will carry everything before it. We can do nothing without you. We admit it, Lord. We're weak. We're men and women that are weak. But I thank you that your word says you take the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. Hallelujah. What a great promise. We have the wind of the Spirit with us. We spread our sail and we speed on towards glory. Another thing, this church is blessed by the presence of God in our meetings. We are blessed. Not every church you go to 
is like that. When I came here, immediately I felt at home because of the presence of God. That was what drew me to this church, the presence of God in the meeting. When you're on holiday, go to another church and you will see the difference. I encourage you to do that. Suddenly you come back here and we're worshipping and the presence of God is here and you think, oh, I'm glad to be home again. I'm glad to be home. Listen, we're going for God this year. We are going for God big time. And we're going for the presence of God in our meetings. And don't let anything hold you back. If you feel like Peter, as I do sometimes, read Acts and see what an amazing transformation the Holy Spirit can have on you and your life. Because this is a promise that is not just for them. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. Doesn't matter if you've been saved 50 years. Doesn't matter. When God comes, he points us to Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Come Holy Spirit. We invite you here. Can we have the band back? Lord Jesus, we love you. We delight in you. Take us on with you, Lord. Make us brave. Make us bold to step out for you, Lord. Make us brave to step out in the meetings, Lord. Bring us this power and authority that we see so evidently in Acts on Peter. Lord, we want that. That's what we want. Silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Hallelujah. That's what we want here. I don't have any money to give you, but what I have is far greater. For the people in Jigsaw, for the ladies at Tot Zone, for the men's meeting, we've got something far greater than money or food or whatever. And that is that you can know the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, let's worship.